0: Hello, it's Caroline, and I'm here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a long time ago, back when I used Patreon, back when I ran lots of different workshops and programs that I do not run anymore, and back before the Fuck It Diet book. So if I refer to any of these obsolete offerings while you're listening, just know that even though my Patreon and other programs don't exist anymore, You can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck a Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy, and it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Fuck A Diet Radio. My name is Caroline Dooner. I am your host. I'm having some frustrating issues with uh, sound levels that I haven't had in a long time. For whatever reason, it's like really low but now I just turned it on automatic level control and now I think it might be too high. Just kidding, I just listened back. It sounds excellent, at least to me for now. Hope uh, hope your ears aren't bleeding. Um, so <clears throat> what did I say already? My name is Caroline Dooner. I am going to be doing what I usually do on this podcast these days, which is read my latest post and answer listener questions. And before we get to that, I just want to let you guys know that I have pre-order bonuses for everyone who pre-orders the Fuck it Diet book. The book is coming out March twenty-six, two 2019. And yes, we're not quite there yet. And yes, of course, you could wait until the book is out until you're reminded till you see it on the shelf in a bookstore and grab a copy and that is a totally acceptable plan however it really does help the book it helps the reach of the book it helps the visibility of the book for the book to have a lot of pre-orders and since we're pretty early on here it would be really exciting if lots of people pre-ordered the book and so to thank you for pre-ordering the book, which you don't have to do, though I'm asking you to. I have thank you pre-order bonuses, and it includes some videos, so it's sort of like behind the scenes, um, talking about the Fuck It Diet, how it came to be, why I teach it the way I teach it, and then some fun stuff too on those videos. It's essentially like this podcast, but with my face. Um, I have some fun videos, hopefully they're fun, or informational or both. And I have a PDF download of some exclusive writing prompts from the book. And we're also going to be having a live call at the end of January for everyone who pre-ordered the book and signed up for the pre-order bonuses. So if you've already pre-ordered the book, all you need to do is go to thefuckadiet.com book and scroll to the bottom to find the button to take you to the form where you're going to sign up for your pre-order bonuses and all you need is a screenshot of the receipt. So if you bought it, if you pre-ordered it at a local bookstore, just take a picture of it and you'll upload it onto that form. Um, If you ordered it from an online place like Amazon or Barnes and Noble or anywhere else, you just need a screenshot of the email receipt that they sent you and you will fill in the form so I can get your email, so I can send you the bonuses. And then when you click the button, it'll take you to a Google form where you're, you'll, ugh, can't speak, upload the receipt image and we will be cross-referencing them and then sending you along your, and by we, I mean me, myself, and also my wonderful assistant, Julianne. Then we will send along those bonuses and keep you informed about the live call just for people who pre-ordered at the end of January. And that call will be a QA, and a it'll be a hangout, it'll be a pre-order party. And hopefully I can thank you for pre-ordering the book. So if you have not pre-ordered the book, you too can go to thefuckadiet.com book to find online pre-order links. It is currently... Um, selling up uh, for release in the US, Canada, and the UK for March 26. So if you live in a different country, you're going to, if you want to get the pre-order bonuses, you're going to have to just buy the English version and have it sent to you. That doesn't mean it won't also come out a little bit later in your language, but to get these bonuses, um, you're gonna need to get the English version, and I'm sorry, that's kind of annoying. Um, what else do I wanna say? If you have any questions about that, just re-listen <laughs> and hopefully I explained correctly. I, but it's pretty self-explanatory. If you just go to the slash book, it'll be pretty self-explanatory how to both pre-order and then to sign up for the pre-order bonuses. So without further ado, I think that's all for now and I'm going to read the post for today and this is how it goes it's called the truth about weight stigma I am in the last stages of finalizing my book and I just found a glaring error about weight and starvation which shows my bias and assumptions about weight in the book I wrote that if a famine never ends you, or if I actually said a famine never ended, you would eventually become emaciated and die. And that is not true. If a famine never ends, you could still die in 8 to 12 weeks, even if you are fat, because your body, essentially, you would die from malnutrition even if you didn't look emaciated, look the way we assume a starving person looks. Your body would be breaking down your muscles to convert to ketones to keep your brain and body running. And in the absence of food, this would weaken your heart so much that you would die in whatever body you're in. If you still did have access to some food, but we're only, and we're only eating a little bit, the same thing would happen. It would just take a longer time. You can also die from just not having the electrolytes to keep your heart working. You will die from malnutrition, whether you are skinny or fat and If you don't need to be skinny to die of starvation, guess what the fuck that means about dieting? Still think weight and weight loss are fully within our control? Also, the fact that I had it wrong in my book, a book that talks a lot about how weight stigma affects our relationship with food is scary to me. And it also just goes to show how deep weight stigma and our weight assumptions run. And yes, I just emailed my editor in a panic that this has to be changed, even though it's very last minute in the process of this book to change any of these things and not have a copy editor look at it and check the reference and everything. Um, It has to be changed. I'm like mortified that we sent it to people to read with that like big problem, big mistake. Um, and it's a mistake that I've read a million times and just like didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, yeah, that may, that, that's right. Um, and because um, it's so, such like the assumption that like you have to be emaciated to die of malnutrition, like nobody checked me on it. Nobody was like, is this true? <laughs> okay, so while we're at it, let's talk about some more weight facts. Along the same lines, you can have anorexia in a fat body. Anorexia does not make everyone skinny. You can still be fat even if, you're ba- even if you barely eat anything. You will still experience the same effects of starvation and malnutrition on the body no matter what your external weight set point is. The same um, hormonal changes and me- metabolic changes are going to be taking place in your body and they're not good changes. A person's weight does not give you any information about how they eat or their health. Our weight is not really as easily manipulated and controlled as we think. We have weight set ranges that are set by our genetics. The body does not want to be above or below our particular range. You can read a lot more about this in the book, Body Respect by Linda Bacon and Lucy Ephraimor. It's a really good book. If you haven't read it yet, I highly recommend it. Most, if not all weight loss studies have only looked at short term results. And the ones that have looked at long-term results have seen weight regain and poorer health because of the diet and weight cycling and stress and stigma. Every problem under the sun seems to be blamed on a high weight, but weight is just a scapegoat. Sometimes weight gain is a symptom of other health issues, but blaming the issue on weight is not only missing the mark, but also may be causing the very health problems it claims to be fixing. And that is huge. And in the post i have a link there taking you to a way longer article about this that links to many 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 studies and it's very worth reading and i recommend that you do yes weight stigma is terrible for us and the health problems blamed on weight including increased mortality are more likely caused by the weight stigma itself weight stigma is the real national health crisis or multinational health crisis not obesity and I put that in quotes obesity obesity in quotes being called a health crisis alone is weight stigma see how cyclical this gets in addition weight cycling and dieting I said is but it's are detrimental to our health especially yo-yo dieting or restrictive fad diets that are focused on weight loss focusing on weight not weight loss is not good for your health and people can and do improve their health without losing weight. The assumption that we have to lose weight in order for um, our lifestyle to be good for our health is pretty much backwards. And you know, this is an aside, but like, weight loss isn't inherently um, unhealthy or problematic, but intentional weight loss often is because of so many other things that go into into that come alongside intentional weight loss and that accompany it physically and mentally fad diets obsession et cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera. and just like weight loss itself has, there's even a study out there i didn't put this in this post but if you look up well actually it's really dangerous and triggering to look up things like this but i read this article that there's there was this like nordic study i think that just showed that weight loss increased mortality risk so gonna say so fuck you that doesn't really who am i you know fuck you diet culture fuck you weight loss culture okay so people can and do improve their health without losing weight if we look at the health at every size study people also hurt their health by focusing on weight loss and i haven't even touched on the mental health aspect of weight of weight focus dieting weight stigma and body fixation I can't believe that I got that tidbit about starvation so so wrong even with all the other things that I know about weight and health and weight stigma so here is to doing better here's to learning here is to listening and here is to being able to um, correct yourself when you realize you have made a mistake so the title of this post is the truth about weight stigma uh the truth about weight stigma is also uh weight stigma and fat phobia is that it permeates the very air we breathe none of us can avoid it and we all have it and can perpetuate it even with good intentions and we need to to just be super aware of our assumptions and also in this article i probably missed some other essential facts too so feel free to message me on instagram and let me know what i'm forgetting about the basic physical facts about weight and weight stigma and health oh and then i say at the bottom oh and pre-order my book i promise i'm fixing that mistake the book tackles weight stigma and diet culture it really does i'm changing the book tackles. okay um it does it really does um so I feel like... I mean, that's the core of it, right? I, I essentially market to people and share with people first. Like, hey, I know why you're so dysfunctional about food. And then one of the answers in there is our cultural misconceptions about weight and weight stigma. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. And so they unfollow and they're like, I'm not ready for this. Or this is bullshit. Or I don't agree and then other people who are ready or, or who feel the truth in that are like oh god here we go okay because that's the hardest part it's like really overwhelming and painful um to face your own weight stigma to try and go against the grain and to kind of overhaul the way you think about health and worth and letting go of your previous uh, goals it's hard so anyway, with that being said, I'm going to move on to the Q&A portion of this situation. Patreon.com slash Caroline okay. So if you go to Patreon.com slash Caroline do you too, for $1 a month, you can sign up to be a podcast insider, and you can ask questions for this podcast. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, I have so many notifications. I'm so bad at this. Okay. Um, Great, 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 great. So anyway, I don't know what the heck I'm doing and I'm just wasting time and I should cut this out, but I'm probably not going to. So if you go to the community tab, once you sign up, once you join for as little as $1 a month and you go to the community tab, um this is where you can ask your questions and also read other people's questions so so I'm, I'm doing what i usually do too and i'm like going through all god i'm trying to find what i haven't read before okay November 22nd, Melanie says, Hey, Caroline, I've been following you for about two years now. Your blog changed my quality of life drastically. I've been dieting heavily since I was about 15. I'm 21 now, and I have been convinced for years that the fault of the stress it brought was entirely my own. That the disordered, paranoid, incredibly aware of every single calorie I consumed bubble I felt trapped in was an existence shared by all people. Um and that I was lazy, stupid, unmotivated for not being able to adapt. I feared for most of my teenage years that I would be miserable and afraid forever. Finding your blog was a gift. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Really and truly a gift. When I found the Fuck A Diet, I would read and read, pour into pages and pages of the best news I could ever receive. I've recently taken the time to listen to your podcasts and they've been so helpful as well. Your words of kindness, patience, geez i feel like i'm just saying this is so nice your words of kindness patience and forgiveness to oneself have given me so much inspiration and motivation you've helped me realize the importance of as you say it quote grounding in order to live a happy and full life i'm making real changes to the way i see and live my life as well as my relationship with myself and my body The energy you emit, oh my god, this is so nice, shines so brightly and really permeates through the walls of every one of my avoidance-based coping mechanisms. I thought there was going to be a a question at some point, but I don't think there is. I've grown profusion, I think profusely, since finding your work and all the thanks in the world would not be enough. Are you kidding me? Thank you for being so funny and brilliant. Thank you for taking the time to share your knowledge. Oh, she does have a question. Okay, good. <laughs> my, the way that my, um, my screen was like scrolled down, it looked like that was the end, but there is a question. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much, Melanie. That's like so sweet. And I was like getting embarrassed that I just read this long like thing that just said nice things about me. Okay. My question to you is this. Do you actively need to work to be normal with food still to this day? After so much of your time spent in surrender to food in your body, do you still hear your old diet-inclined habits beckoning you? Thanks so much, and thanks again. XOXO, Melanie. That's a really good question because I think if I'm going to be totally honest with myself, um, the, the only way I could describe it is that some diet th- thoughts and memories are like Ghosts. And they have no um, pull, they have like no pull or like so little power over any of my actions and feelings about food. But it's almost like I remember what I used to think sometimes. And I feel like that that's actually I go through phases where I like forget that I ever had food issues at all and I'm just like living my life and eating. And then there are times when I'm like, oh wow and it's normally if i like shift my um my routine or if i start eating different food or um i'm like currently in this um organic pop tart phase and not that pop tarts need to be organic but i'm like a little food snob and i like shop at whole foods and get you know those are just happen to be the brands that i tend to buy for myself when i'm doing grocery shopping Um, so I forget what the brand is. It's like nature's Valley or something like that. I'm not sure that that's what it is, but you know how they have like those pop tarts. Um, anyway, I'm like obsessed with them (laughs) and, um, I love them so much. And I'm like, wow, it's so funny. I like, I never ate these during my initial fuck it diet, you know, journey. So it's almost like I'm like rediscovering this like fun, like kid food that I, I never ate like really very much as a child, even though I would have wanted to, and also um, haven't eaten like in a long time. So anyway, I'm sort of going through this like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And I'll sometimes have this thought of like, whoa, I I would have been, I would have thought X, Y, Z about this. So it's not like, it's a good thing because actually the times that i totally forget what it feels like to have diet thoughts at all like where it's totally not even in my um my consciousness at all it actually makes it harder for me to communicate the fuck it diet to people who are in that place because it's almost like i I don't even remember what it's like. And so it's actually really important for me to try to remember what it's like. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there are definitely times and there are times when like slight orthorexic thoughts come in and I'll even be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat that. And then I very quickly, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I, I'm lucky that I, I do this and that this is my job, (laughs) um, because, if I ever were to get pulled into a slightly orthorexic place where I like, I think, well, maybe that food is bad for me or maybe, you know, it's not that I don't think that people have food sensitivities or that people don't feel good on certain foods, but it's what I'm talking about is like when you like read an article and you're like, well, maybe that is maybe that maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't eat those foods either or whatever. And, um, so I definitely can like, forget for like 20 minutes and like have some orthorexic thoughts of like maybe that isn't good for me and then I remember really quickly and I also have done like I have gone off gluten for like a good couple months just because I really was curious and I did have a doctor be like you might be sensitive to gluten this is like two years ago and it wasn't a hard rule Um, But I was genuinely curious, and I really didn't notice a difference personally. So I was able to, like, do that through the lens of the fuck-a-diet and with it not being a hard rule and genuinely curious about if, you know, it would... Because I have always had some chronic health stuff before dieting. That's, like, one of the reasons that I dieted. And it's like some genetic liver stuff and immunity stuff that's like hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. So of course it's easy to want to try all of the wellness diets that orthorexics can cling to with the hope that you can just heal yourself once and for all. Um, So I guess that is the only thing where I sometimes flirt with the idea and but then I very quickly remembered that I've tried so many things, so many diets over the years to heal, um, before the fuck it diet. And then even flirted with things like really trying to not eat gluten and seeing if it makes me feel better. And it didn't, <laughs> um, and I didn't feel any worse adding it back in. Um, but uh, again, that was like five or six years into the fuck it diet. I think that that's a really risky thing to do in the beginning because I think it is more important to heal your relationship with food, um, but as far as calories go, like I am not scared of calories at all. I like, I like, feel like bring it on with calories. So that is a million percent healed, and that is a huge life changer to really not be afraid of calories or weight. Sometimes health stuff I wonder about, and that's only because I do, um, you know, I I do seek out other ways to heal but I really try to stay away from diet diet mentality with healing because it doesn't fucking work and if you aren't supposed to be eating certain foods or if you don't feel good on certain foods and I'm not talking about myself right now I'm talking about you the listener. Trust that once you have a way more intuitive and easy relationship with food, that those things will first of all become more clear and then it'll be easier to softly avoid foods that don't make you feel good. And it doesn't need to be a perfectionistic um, thing. You never need to a million percent avoid something unless you have a life-threatening allergy to it, okay. Moving on, I hope that that was clear. I don't think that it, it definitely wasn't clear when I first started answering it. And if you can tell guys, I do not read these ahead of time, which is maybe stupid. Um, I can of course edit if I like really like go off the rails, but I didn't even know if there was going to be a question in that. So when I start to answer these things for better or for worse, I don't always know exactly what the answer is. And I sometimes find it along the way, oh dear, okay. I'm gonna take a sip of water, okay. So November 24th, Emily says, hi guys, I just wanna rant a little bit and maybe find some camaraderie with those who might be in a similar stage of their fuck it diet, one plus year. Um, okay, people did respond, good. So she says, I started the fuck it diet mid-October 2017. So being just over a year in, I can definitely say that intuitive eating now comes to me quite naturally, and I have a much better relationship with movement as well. That's so great to hear. I've also made huge strides in improving my mental health, largely due to the fuck diet in conjunction with regular therapy. That is awesome. That isn't to say it's all sunshine and rainbows, but the bad body image bouts are shorter and further apart. Right now, I'm experiencing a lot of fear. Like many, like many on the Fuck It Diet, I've had to buy new clothing, and for me that includes all of my expensive hiking clothing. My partner partner and I are avid outdoors people. I'm now at the top end of the size range for most brands that have the products I need, good Gore-Tex jackets, wool layers, hiking pants. I have an immense fear that I'm going to keep gaining and A, have to replace this wardrobe again, and B, that I won't be able to access these items in my size. I know this fear is probably unfounded because it seems that my weight has remained pretty stable since the summer, but perhaps it's still slowly creeping up. And actually, she said, but perhaps it's still slowly creeping up, exclamation point, question mark. It's a stressful time right now, and I'm PMSing, so I think I'm a bit bloated right now, and that might be what's triggering me. However, generally speaking, whenever I put on a jacket or another or other article of clothing, I catch myself analyzing whether it's gotten any tighter. Intellectually, I know this is probably tied to lots of things, hypervigilance as a result of trauma, fear of losing power, freedom due to my size, fear of uncertainty and unknown. I know each person's journey on the fuck diet is unique and that I really need to work on these limiting beliefs rather than play the comparison game, but if anyone else is further along in their fuck diet, say one and a half to two years, and can comment on the stability of their weight and similarly persistent struggles with fear, I would be so appreciative okay i'm going to read the answers right now and then i'm going to give my answer so it doesn't look like anybody who was like two years in had has responded to her but i will respond to her um so Lara says, Emily, I'm not as far along as you are in your fuck a diet journey. I started in late summer this year, but I feel the exact same fear when buying clothing. Like, will I need to buy this in a bigger size again? What is that going to cost me? Is my husband going to be upset that I spent this much money on clothes and now I need to do it again? Realistically, of course he won't, but this is irrational fear talking. I just wanted to let you know that you are not alone, and I think it's normal and leftover from the severe analytical nature of dieting and observing your body constantly. Samantha said, I have a similar fear about clothing too. I recently donated a bunch of my smaller clothes and the, and in the back of my mind thought, what if I'm smaller at some point? Will I have to get new clothes again? Same thing about being bigger and getting new clothes. I love the new clothing I purchased, but will I need to do a rehaul again? It's, it's, expensive, and mess, it's expensive and messes with your mind. So I'm going to parrot what these people are saying and what I say often, which is honestly... Having to buy new clothing I think is one of the most um, frustrating parts because it's it's a practical and like what's the word I'm looking for I'm looking for the word um, uh, it's like a tactile, like manifestation of this process so in a way it's really symbolic and can be really healing to buy yourself clothes that fit you now but at the same time in actuality it's an expense and if you're strapped for cash it's an extra stressor um and even if you're not strapped for cash it's like it's a it feels like a commitment to a certain size and not knowing if it's if you're gonna continue to go up or go down, it's frustrating. Like it's actually frustrating. And so I just want to empathize with you and tell you that that is one of the most frustrating, difficult parts of the fuck it diet, um, and it's one of the most um, uh, like solid manifestations of the emotional part of this process. So it's like the most physical manifestation. like okay I have to surrender I have to buy new clothes and it's 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 a lot but so without being able to tell you exactly what's going to happen with your weight and obviously this is way more of an emotional limiting belief situation that's coming up for you um, if you've been stable for a couple months you're probably pretty stable and we always fluctuate a little bit and You may even eventually, eventually maybe go down a little bit. It's impossible to say, but that does happen to many people. After their body feels fed, it's able to relax a little bit and can trust that it will survive if it doesn't hold on to everything that it gained in the recovery phase. Um, But of course we don't know and it's not about that necessarily though it may be helpful to hear that you will probably stay right around there and will be able to fit into um, your expensive hiking clothes. But um, the truth is we do fluctuate through time and it is expensive and stressful but the willingness to dress our bodies where they are you know, in a couple years time, if it's totally different, if we need different clothes um, and we can afford it at all. And thrift stores exist for a reason, but we deserve clothes that fit our bodies. Um, and we deserve to believe that we will deserve clothes that fit our bodies in the future if our bodies are different in the future. However, I understand the practical frustration and the financial frustration. Um and hopefully other people um, can actually comment on this and let you know uh, that they experience this stress and that they're further along and all as well. But I think just reading that alone will be helpful for other people who feel similarly. So um, I hope that other people who are listening, don't feel alone when they hear your story and feel similarly, but, um, all I can really tell you is that maybe you're even feeling better now, but, um, yeah, it's a practical frustration, but at the core of it, it's not about the weight. It's about all of the things that we think the weight means. All right, moving on to Recovering Millennial who wrote on November 28th. Hi, Caroline, I'm fairly new to the Fuck It Diet and it's uncovering a world for me that I've needed for a long time but didn't know how to find or even what to search for. Uh-oh, my um, dryer has stopped and it's gonna beep until I turn it off so I'm gonna go turn it off. Okay, bye. Okay, I'm back and I'm gonna keep reading this thing. Um, okay. So she says, I know the topic of alcohol has come up a few times on your podcast, but I feel like it's never been exactly the question that I have regarding it. Instead of drinking not to eat, I drink to eat. I find myself wanting a pizza or wanting cookies, but before I have those, I have some sort of a buzz until the alcohol turns off that voice in my head that tells me those foods are bad or until the alcohol gives me a fake sense of hunger, i.e. the drunchies. Unless I'm out with friends, I pretty much never have more than two drinks at home, so I don't feel that my problem is alcoholism more than it is something food-related. I don't need it during the day, but I do have anxiety about eating dinner without having a drink beforehand, as well as winding down for the night, watching TV, what have you, feeling those feelings of fullness and having to deal with feeling uncomfortable in my stomach and horrible guilt of eating too much or bad foods without having the ease that alcohol can bring. This is fascinating, actually, and whether people use alcohol or not to ease that anxiety, I think um, a lot of people will understand um, how you're feeling. She said, I know I'm supposed to trust my hunger cues and eat whatever I want, but I'm worried that alcohol creates a fake sense of what my mind really wants to eat and therefore hindering actually reconnecting with my body signals i'm also afraid alcohol is causing me to eat too much and the weight gain will be more significant hope this isn't too much to ask but wondering if anyone else does this and how you suggest going about healing this thank you so much for doing uh oh thank you so much for what you're doing it's life-changing for real thank you this is fascinating and um So, where to start? Um, I am curious. So, something that I like to tell people, people who fear that they eat to numb their emotions. um, I like to ask people to play around with seeing if they can eat and feel at the same time. So, can you see because obviously one of the things I could say would be, okay, well, can you just cut back a little bit, um, and do some experiments? You don't have to totally cut out this habit, but can you experiment one night with not drinking alcohol to, um, essentially self medicating, you have anxiety and this is your way of, of either dulling the anxiety or just kind of like, Numbing the fear and pain. So, um, can you see? Can you try a couple things? Can you do an experiment where one night you say, okay, I'm going to have one drink, but I'm also going to really try and honor and feel all of the anxiety that I have right now before I have the drink about eating, all the anxiety that I might still have about eating? Cause really what this comes down to are a lot of beliefs about food. So it really comes down to trying to face and identify those beliefs, whether you're drinking or not. Um, it is possible to be embodied and to feel even when you're drinking. So You can play around with seeing if you can get really honest with yourself about what you're really afraid of and what you really believe about eating and eating dinner um, while you're having a drink and eating. And then also I recommend doing an experiment where you say, okay, just tonight I'm going to see and honor all of the fear that comes up when I eat dinner but don't have a drink because the truth is that is going to help you be super aware of the stuff that you're pushing down. But I really do believe, like I do not think that cold turkey is always the best or often the best. So I think you can kind of tiptoe into this and do some baby steps and begin to explore the, the beliefs and fears that you're trying to numb with alcohol without having to say, okay, I need to completely cut this out. And it's possible that at a certain point, it'll feel way easier to, um, cut down on it. Um, because again, it's not about the alcohol, right? It's about the things that the alcohol is helping you ignore. So we really want to, in whatever way we want to help you to begin to explore those things and face those fears because that's going to make the big difference. Let me know um, if that's helpful and how it goes to try one or both of those suggestions. And um, I definitely think that that you're going to be A-OK, especially with your awareness around it and the willingness to take baby steps to feel the fear and to challenge your beliefs about eating food. OK. Um, ooh, my dog. OK, so the i didn't say my dog like like an expletive like my god but my dog just like woke up and scratched the table that i'm recording on okay so ava says what if you lost 80 pounds you were physically uncomfortable and couldn't do things you wanted with comfort i.e. tying shoes etc at your highest um am i really going to gain all 80 pounds back now, I considered not reading this because I think that it can be really tricky to use actual weight numbers, especially because of how it may trigger other people who are listening to this. Something that I always like to remind people is if you want to complain about weight or com- or mention specifics of weight, just think about what that might do to other people who are listening who are in a similar body or who are dealing with similar numbers who are trying to heal or feel better about it or change their relationship to it, just to be super um, conscientious of how it might hurt or trigger other people in similar bodies. But to try and answer the question, um, of course I have no idea what people's personal weight trajectory is going to be and for instance if somebody lost a ton of weight through super super restrictive eating or eating very very limited kinds of food or amounts of food the body is going to need and want to put on weight really really quickly once you begin feeding it what you're hungry for and that's just the necessary part of of healing on a very physical level now i totally understand why that's emotionally overwhelming because of so many factors um and i understand that 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 would be really daunting and um and upsetting and frustrating and scary uh however what to so i want to empathize with you i understand why you're asking the question and hesitant and scared of that, or the possibility of that. Um, But it comes down to prioritizing, stepping out of this diet cycle and trusting the body um, to, to heal and to nourish, to prioritize nourishing your body. But what we can also prioritize is finding a way to support the body through gentle movement even just um, doing yoga for strength and mobility. Now, of course, um, not everyone is able-bodied and not everyone is able to move their body, Um, but if you can move your body in a smaller body, you can move your body as you go through. Oh, my dog, oh God. Hold on, I'm just gonna, Molly, stop. So my neighbor dog got neutered and so they're not able to play, but they're obsessed with each other and they're both barking at each other right now and she doesn't understand why she's not able to play with her best friend. It's because you can't have puppies, it's because I need... Oh my god, he sounded like a Star Wars creature. I don't know Star Wars well enough to know. Is it a Wookiee? You sound like a Wookiee? That was crazy. All right, she's gonna keep bothering me, so I might need to pause this. But basically, there are fat, um, there are fat athletes, dancers, yogis. Um, being in a larger body does not mean that you can't um, have mobility, and that doesn't mean that you won't have to adapt to it feeling different. And you will feel, you know, your stomach, and you'll feel. You'll inhabit your body in a different way, but the assumption that all mobility issues are because of weight is is unhelpful and untrue. Oh my God, she's obsessed. She's like so obsessed, and she can't play with him. Um, So anyway, just challenge our beliefs about why we have mobility issues. And I understand that it's easier said than done. But oh my God, off. I'm gonna have to come back to this. Bye. Oh my God. Okay. So we, we, we managed it. We got them to say hello to each other and then pulled them away and they were, they're heartbroken. They're star-crossed lovers. Um, So I think to summarize this answer that got interrupted by my dogs, um, not unrequited love, but star-crossed love story, um, is that I do empathize. I understand why it's scary and hard and overwhelming and daunting for practical reasons, for societal, emotional reasons to gain weight that you just spent probably a lot of pain and effort to lose and you're now clearly realizing that it's not sustainable to live like that and you want another way. I understand why that's overwhelming. But um, to just remember what our priorities are and what um, understanding that the body will be in way better shape, like health wise. I don't mean shape like physical shape. I mean like, um, I mean physically healthy if you feed yourself and go through this healing process. But also um, that the assumption that any sort of mobility issues or discomfort was only because of weight is is not looking at the whole picture often people aren't moving as much or stretching as much or strengthening as much when they feel when they feel um, uncomfortable in or not able to fully embody or inhabit or feel ashamed of the size that they are so you can you can be mobile flexible strong and in a larger body. That doesn't mean that everybody can because there is a privilege that comes with, um, you know, not basically what I'm trying to say is not everybody has an able body, fat and thin, but all I wanna say is there's a way to support yourself and to focus on gentle movement and strength and um, it not have to be dependent on your actual weight. And that's it. Can you hear my dog chewing the treat that I gave her to get her to come back inside so she doesn't rip her lover's um, stitches? They're not lovers. They're just best friends. They're just obsessed with each other. Okay. Okay, well, that is all for the December episode. Again, please consider pre-ordering the book if you haven't already. And you can find online order links at thefucketdietcom book. And that is also where you can find information about signing up for the pre-order bonuses. Again, all you need if you've pre-ordered the book is a screenshot of your receipt, and if you follow the instructions on the slash book, you will be taken to a page where you will enter in your information in a form and then press a button that will take you to the Google form where you upload your receipt, and then I will send you the bonuses. And I am so thankful to you for pre-ordering it does make a difference and um I will talk to you guys next time in January in 2019 on this weird haphazard casual and dog ruined podcast goodbye